Holy Spirit, pour out upon us wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in the Holy Scriptures, our hearts and minds may be open to receive all that leads to life and holiness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the reading of the old scripture, Psalms 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the, take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and in all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not, the wicked are not so, but, they, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in, con- in the congregations of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Always a blessing to have our handbell choir leading us uh, in worship. Also grateful for uh, the Grace Scholars who are leading us uh, this particular Sunday. You heard Felicia do a reading earlier. Uh, we have uh, Reverends Nelson and Emmanuel with us, and I know Helen Lanier Reevely had to be out of town this weekend, but again, grateful for, for their leadership too on this Sunday. Our scriptures come from the lectionary this particular Sunday, and the gospel reading is from Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 26. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John Calvin claimed that the book of the Psalms, the 100 Psalms, um, are an anatomy of all parts of the soul. Because the book of Psalms is so rich and varied in all of the ways that the soul gives expression of praise and prayer unto God. Some of the, the Psalms you know burst with that praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. 
Psalm 103. There are many others that burst with sort of a, a, a searching and a pain. Rouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Why do you forget our affliction? Psalm 44. I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. Psalm 69. There are some that admit they're not even sure of the way of God. I envy the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. Psalm 73. In fact, though there are so many psalms of of outright praise, the, the psalms repeatedly explore the contradictions and pains and paradoxes of the lived faith. But before anybody gets to any of those psalms I just read, one has to go through Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is the gateway, is the preamble. The the psalm that sits at the front of the Psalter so as to provide this basic foundational premise on which one can and should stand as they enter into the rest of the life of faith. In the remaining psalms. As, as my Old Testament professor put it. Psalm 1 quote. Constitutes a preemptive strike. With regard to much of what then follows in the Psalter. It's like Psalm 1 wants to get ahead of all of the contradictions. All of the explorations. All of the confusions. That shall be given voice in the future psalms. And it wants to say first this. Here's the foundational thing. So that wherever you go in your life of faith from here, you know and understand this basic premise, this basic assumption. And the basic assumption of Psalm 1 is that for all of life's complexities, all of its nuance, all of its gray areas, all of its paradox, there are two basic ways. The way of the wicked and the way of the blessed. Or to go with the two prominent images of Psalm 1, the way of the chaff, and the way of the tree. The psalmist makes clear at the outset that the way of the wicked is abundantly present. Listen again to verse 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. The psalmist envisions the wicked advising or providing counsel. They've got a path kind of right there for you, a seat right here to sit and join in the mocking. In Hebrews, the way, in Hebrew, the language, the, the way the verbs and nouns come together in verse 1 purposely suggests sort of the, the prevalence and opportunity that comes with the wicked. And it's notable in this particular psalm we're never told what makes the wicked wicked. I mean other scriptures certainly fill that out. But, but here it's not clear. Did they lie, cheat, steal? All uh, What makes for wickedness? What we are told is in verse 4, the wicked are said to be like chaff that the wind drives away. And I find that image suggestive. If you've ever seen chaff winnowed from from the grain, the chaff, that, that, that light, dry, airy substance, it can be caught up in the air by the wind and sort of moved and carried in this furious fluttering of activity until it until it falls. The wicked are not empty of things to do. Quite the opposite. The the wicked appear incredibly, furiously busy for a moment. I was hiking along the the James the other day. 
And I did. I stopped for just a while and stood right in place to observe. And I noticed a deer. Actually, I noticed four standing no more than 20, 30 yards from me. And I stood and stared and admired. And I gave thanks for the gift of creation. And as I'm doing this, there is this guy who's coming up the path, hiking my way. He has his earbuds in and his head down. And, and he gives me this slightly awkward, confused look when he first sees me. And as he gets close, he takes off one of the earbuds and, and, and looks at me. And I go, dear. And he look, his, his confusion sort of goes away a little bit. He says, oh, I wonder what you were looking at. And he glances up and he goes. <laughs> but, but it struck me in that moment how odd and out of, out of place it is for so many so many in our society, to see somebody else doing nothing. It is odd for someone to stop and stare at trees or deer. If I'd been standing in Carytown doing the same thing, just quietly observing life and seeing what God might be up to, or if I was in a coffee shop just drinking coffee, but I did not have a book or a phone or a computer, that's odd. Or worse, right? Our society uh, values, even expects busy people who have a flurry, flurry of activities to do and be working on. Standing still for too long is odd or suspect. Now, a lot of activity in one's life is not necessarily bad. But Psalm 1 does invite a measure of pause because we do see it's quite possible to have a flurry of activity and energy in our lives, in our church, and in reality, maybe it's swirling chaff. Empty, weightless, trivial, a life sort of pushed around by whatever prevailing winds seem to have caught our fears or anxieties or whatever at the moment. How different the way of the blessed. Blessed. Also, you heard translated happy. And Hebrew really points to to a state of being, regardless of the circumstances, where one is deeply satiated, where one is unburdened, where one is at peace. Unlike the wicked whose ways, whatever the ways are, can seem such a flurry of activity and pushed and pulled here, the blessed are given an image that suggests a fundamental stillness. Trees stand still. They situate in one place. There's nothing fast about a tree. Some seasons like right now in Richmond, trees appear dead. Eventually, though, in season, the psalmist writes, the the trees burst forth with fresh fruit and deep foliage. They give sustenance. The tree gives shelter. And what does the psalm declare is the central difference between a life of weightless frenzy and a life of steady substance that even ultimately nourishes what's the difference between a life that is made up of chaff and a life that is a tree and it really it boils down for psalm one to what makes the blessed person blessed the blessed person their delight is in the law of the lord 
and on his law they meditate day and night. Their delight, the thing they find joy and meaning and richness in is the law of God. Or as commentators note, law of God, it it really has an expansive sense to it that might be better translated instruction of God or will of God. They delight in all that God is saying and leading and doing and teaching in and through the word of God. We, we Christians, we, we confess that Jesus is the word of God incarnate, the word of God in the flesh. And so you could say, blessed are the ones who delight in Jesus, who delight in what Jesus has done in breaking the power of sin and canceling the power of death. Blessed are those who who delight in what Jesus is doing in them and around them and in the world. Blessed are those who delight in what Jesus promises to do in renewing all of creation. And the way that their delight in the law of God, the way of God, is made known, is that they meditate on the law of God, the way of God, Jesus. In Hebrew, the word meditate refers to a a physical activity whereby someone would read the scriptures aloud in a low, murmuring voice. Scripture was never to be read silently. When I was in Jerusalem four years ago, we we spent an hour or so at the at the Western Wall, and, and there you'll see Jewish men with their scriptures in their hands, and they'll be standing right there before the wall, and they'll be reading scripture in this low, murmuring voice with their bodies swaying like this, back and forth as they read. They are doing the Hebrew word meditating. Their manner of reading with their voices and their bodies is meant to suggest the manner in which their whole being is immersed in this God's word, God's purposes, God's promises. And so to them, it's not sort of an interesting read, stories to, to debate, historical facts and figures to memorize, all of, all of it certainly interesting, nor is it scripture understood to be sort of devotional nuggets that you, you kind of pull out and look for the occasional bumper sticker inspiration It's rather understood as a reality into which one immerses one's whole being, one's whole self, day and night. One is shaped and led and formed by the way of God. As beautiful a thought as that may be to be sort of immersed in the person and way of of Jesus and his truth and his love, I imagine for, for many of us that may be a defeating thought. Because amid all the very real and good demands of our lives, how are we supposed to meditate day and night? How does one live a life that, that, that is saturated in God's way, God's word, God's love? And to press the metaphor, a tree cannot decide to plant itself by water or anywhere else for that matter. So how do we get there? But thanks be to God, right? That is the fundamental good news of Jesus Christ is that already this day, Scripture declares, we have been replanted. How many times does Paul in the New Testament talk about Christians as a people who live, quote, in Christ? Not just we believe in things about 
Jesus Christ who's, who's over there. Not just we try and emulate, emulate Jesus and his example from 2,000 years ago. Paul goes on much further than that, declaring that by the grace of God, we are pulled from the way of the wicked. And this very day, we live planted and rooted in Christ. Transplanted in baptism, we stand by the grace of God in the living water who is Jesus Christ. And as with all trees situated by water, the water's automatic, right? The water doesn't flow and discern to give some water to that tree and not to those trees. Jesus' water does not flow flow more abundantly underneath some group of super Christians or super denominations or super extraordinary people. The water feeds all the trees by its very nature. The water only knows to keep feeding by its very nature. The water only knows to keep giving by its very nature. This is the gift of grace in which we have been planted and can do nothing about we live and move and have our being in Christ. I think again of my hike along the James. I'm standing there. And you know what I saw? I saw the deer. I mentioned the deer. I also saw trees, a lot of trees. And currently they basically look dead. Some quite tall, some quite wide, but most just look dead. But then I took a deep breath and I closed my eyes for a few seconds. And do you know what I heard? The James. Rumbling, flowing, ceaselessly, steadily, as busy as the city and the traffic and all the things that were going on that day in Richmond, you can still find places along the James River Trail where you can close your eyes and hear nothing but water. And if you stand there long enough, you can readily understand why these very unassuming trees are but a month or two from a lush foliage. The Apostle Paul famously articulates the choice fruit that over time is brought forth from trees situated along the faithful river. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control. Do we not hunger for more of that kind of bounty in the depth of our lives and our souls? Do we not hunger to be a people who give of that kind of bounty to one another and this world? But perhaps this day we arrive feeling like a forest full of dead branches. Maybe in some part of our life or all of our lives, we really do feel quite tired or empty or dry or searching. Or we feel, quite frankly, the witness of the church is not nearly as vibrant or full and real as it should and could be. 
Or, or there, maybe, again, we're living in some of those other psalms that I read earlier that cry out, looking for God, envying, in fact, the way of the wicked because they're doing just fine. And in many ways, the invitation of Psalm 1 is to do what seems so very odd in our world today. It is an invitation to find regularly space to close our eyes and not place all of our trust in what our eyes see with the dead branches. And instead, listen. Listen to the water moving. Listen for the water saturating the roots. The water cannot help but be faithful. And in season, the same water that brought forth from death life will bring forth from empty branches fruit. That is the promise of Psalm 1, the portal into the life of faith. You have in your bulletins today a scripture. A psalm. Maybe you can find that. If you, Each of the bulletins has a, a different, so there's four different psalms we use. So you may not have the same psalm as, as your neighbor. But you've got a psalm in your bulletin. Uh, there are purposely different ones there. Because we as Christians believe that one of the best ways to know afresh that the water of Jesus Christ is in fact nourishing the roots, is in fact doing something, is in fact moving, is in fact faithful, is by listening for the water. And the living water of Jesus Christ is found most foundationally in and through Scripture. We listen for the water. We receive the water. And so at the end, of, to really end this sermon, I want to give just a, a few moments of, of silent space to allow you to read the psalm that you have before you today quietly and meditate on it. I invite you to consider if maybe this one was placed in your bulletin Just for you this very day. Maybe it's not an accident that this psalm is sitting in your bulletin. And I invite you to listen. For the living water who is Jesus speaking through this. Maybe there will be something very real and powerful that moves in this moment. Maybe it will be kind of confusing and you're not sure. Either way, I invite you to do what seems so odd in our society. And be still. And listen For the faithful rumbling of water and receive the gift. I'll give a few moments now and in time I will close this in prayer. Our gracious God, we are so grateful that you have given us your word. And that by the power of your spirit, this is not a stagnant or empty or dry word, but in fact, this is living water. Holy Spirit, make it soul so unto our souls once again this day. Shape us, renew us according to your water. Amen.